So would you like to dial or hang up that prayer? I'll dial. All right. You want to sit or stand? Stand. All right. We'll stand. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Um, Lord, I pray that you can keep us all safe this week and this 4th of July weekend. And I pray that you can just help us to all get along and truly understand this sermon that you help me and Tom to get through this without too many hiccups or bumps in the road. And I pray that you can truly just help us understand what this is all about and why we're here. And Lord, we uh, thank you for the grace that you have extended to us through your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray that as we open your word, you would open our hearts, that you would speak to us this morning and grow us more and more into the men and women of God that you created us to be. And Lord, as we prepare to meet you here through your word, we lay at the foot of your cross the burdens of our hearts that we might be more free to encounter you here through your word today. We give you our sins, and we thank you for the forgiveness that was poured out for us on the cross through your son, Jesus Christ. We lift before you those whom we know who are sick or recovering from medical procedures or otherwise in need of healing. We lift up Yolanda Clifton to you, and we just pray your continued healing over what's going on with her uh, neurologically. We just pray for you to reduce her symptoms and restore her to full health and function. We lift up Josh Johnson, and we just pray now that you would pour out your healing mercies upon his 20-year-old body, that you would be at work um, through those doctors and nurses and technicians who are involved in treating all of his injuries to uh, work that concert of effort uh, towards his healing. Lord, stabilize him, um, be at work in the surgeries that are forthcoming, and in the healing from those that have already taken place. And we just pray that you would uh, restore him to his family. We pray your healing mercies over this young man in Jesus' name. Lord, we lift up this country at every level of government, elected and appointed. We pray that you would give our leaders wisdom and discernment in the decisions that are before them. We thank you for the freedom that we enjoy as Americans to assemble and worship you as you call us to uh, without hindrance from our government. We just pray, Father, that uh, you would bless this nation in uh, opening the hearts of more and more people to your grace and your love and your truth. And Lord, use us to that end. We pray for your church here at Hope and around the world. We lift up all the churches that we are connected to through our denomination and through our missions giving. We pray that you would pour out your spirit in those places. We pray for your church everywhere around this world today, that your word would go forth from the mouths of your people and that it would not return to you empty. We lift all these things before you and pray your blessing over our time in your word today. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen. All right, have a seat. So I have with me this morning the intelligent, beautiful, talented Sarah Trim. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm good. All right. Uh, is it difficult being all of those things at once? That might be my microphone. No, it's pretty easy. Just comes naturally? Yep. Yeah. Just like your mom? You got it from your mom? I won't ask what you got from your dad. I don't want to know. Um, so tell us a little bit about you. Um, you are 
where, in, in the stages of life, where are you? I'm 17. Okay. I'm a senior this year. <laughs> senior. All right. And uh, your favorite subject in school? History. History. All right. And um, <clears throat> your, uh, your class rank? 29 out of 741. 29 out of 749. It's 41, whatever. I'm not very good at math. Um, so, I mean, just 29? You going to stop slacking off and <laughs> climb that ladder, girl? I'm trying. All right. Very good. Um, and what do you do extracurricularly? I'm in band. You're in band? You're a band fairy? Yep. Band nerd? What do they band call them now? Band nerds. Band nerds? Okay. Um, yeah, when my, bro my older brother was in band, we all called them band fairies, and he just loved that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what, do, what instrument do you play in the band? I play the clarinet. And you're probably like seventh chair, eighth chair. We don't have our chairs yet, <laughs> but. Oh, okay. What were you last year? Last year I was first chair. What a surprise. <laughs> All right. Can you play like jazz clarinet, like Pete Fountain kind of stuff? No, I can't. Can you work on that for me? <laughs> I'll try. All right. All right. We'll see what we can get out of you. Um, do you have any pets? I have two cats and a dog. What's your dog's name? Dudley. Okay, are you, are you more cat or more dog? I'm more cat. You're more cat? Okay, what are your cat's names? One is named Mr. Whiskers, <laughs> and the other is Bagheera. What? Bagheera. It's from the Jungle Book. Okay, all right, that makes sense. Um, and uh, let's see, um, Beatles or Johnny Cash? The Beatles. The Beatles, all right, that's, you're Carl Trim's daughter. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I didn't say Waylon. So, and your favorite Beatles song is? Hey Jude. Hey Jude. All right. Very good. Uh, let's see. Uh, your favorite dessert in the whole world? Cheesecake. Cheesecake. Any particular kind of cheesecake? I like chocolate cheesecake and I do too. strawberry cheesecake. Okay. So you're pretty versatile in your, <laughs> as long as it's cheesecake, yes, you're pretty good. Much. As long All as right. it's not pumpkin. <laughs> And do you have any uh, future plans beyond high school? Are you going to go into welding, or what are you going to do? Um, I'm going to go to college. <laughs> I don't okay. know where yet. All right. Do you know how to spell college? Better not ask me that. <laughs> okay. When you apply to a collage, it's important to spell it correctly. I'll make sure to look it up beforehand. All right. Very good. Okay. Um, and... Uh, you have studied a little bit of God's word in preparation for this, or a lot, um, and so we're going to talk today about uh, a portion of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, that you found interesting, and then consequently, or along with that, we're going to talk about life in a beehive. Pebby, do we have any beehive pictures of the Hope Church Beehive. There we go. That's Jimmy Townsend uh, opening up the Hope Church Beehive. This was just this week. There's real bees in an actual hive on our property. What else we got? There they are. And look at that. They're making honeycomb and making putting honey in it. Um, there's... 
There's Jimmy and uh oh. Yep. Yeah, this that Yeah, well, so there we go. But that's our actual beehive, and we're using the beehive as a metaphor for the church, and we're using Acts chapter two, verses forty two through forty seven as an understanding of the components of the church. Stop that. All right, everybody got the idea? All right, beehive, church, parallel, here we go. Sarah, would you be willing to read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 for us, please? Yes. All right. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Okay. Very good. And so which aspect of this description of the first church stood out to you that was something that you wanted to focus on? The first verse, talking about how they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Okay. And the apostles' teaching would have been based upon what? The word of God. The word of God. And in this case, mostly the Old Testament, right? And then the things that the apostles themselves had heard from Jesus, we'll talk about him and how important he is to this idea of the word of God. Um, And then... um, What aspect of a beehive did you find that correlates with this devotion to, the, to God's word, with being in the word? So there were a couple. Okay. The first that I found was that bees are the only insects that produce food that humans can eat or that humans do eat. Right. Other than perhaps insects themselves. <laughs> yes. Some people eat them. I don't know why. Um, but... Uh, Yeah, so bees are the only insects that produce something that humans consume on a regular basis. Um, What else? Also that bees are not born knowing how to make honey. They have to be taught by the other bees. Okay. So when a a bee comes out of that little piece of honeycomb um, and they emerge, they're not like instinctively knowing how to collect pollen and bring pollen into the hive, they have to learn this. Yes. Okay? And uh, how do they learn that? They sort of follow the older bees around, and the bees sort of just kind of demonstrate. And they're like, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. Okay. So they follow older bees that have been out there. So it's just it's fascinating, really. Um, so you think about how long bees have been around, which is probably a really long time. And they don't have the instinctual ability or, or the instinctual sense to go out and collect pollen. They have to learn. So all this capability that bees have has been passed down from hive to hive to hive to hive. And bees only live, these worker bees only live for a couple of weeks, right? Okay. Um, so amazing. Um, what else did you learn? Anything else that touches on this? All right, so 
we're going to focus on a couple things here. The, the learning component that bees have to learn. They have to be devoted to learning, right? And then and we have to be devoted to learning. Uh, the bees learn how to go out and collect pollen, bring it back, what to do with it. Um, and then there's this um, aspect of younger bees having a need to learn from older bees how to do what they do. So we're going we're gonna to look at some of the scriptures that you pulled together for this. Uh, we're going to start in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Can you read that passage for us, please? Verses 14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus, Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Great. So let's talk about some of the correlations between a beehive and what Paul is saying to Timothy in this passage. Um, In a beehive, the younger bees have to learn from the older bees. That is clearly reflected here. Paul talks about... um, you know, what you've learned and knowing from whom you learned it. Um, What is this passage calling us to be? It's calling us to be a lifelong learner. Okay. So we as Christians are to be lifelong learners. We're to be uh, engaged in God's word and learning and growing uh, continually. Is Is that a nice straight line? Of upward growth for most Christians? No. No, there's cliffs and walls and other ugly things. Okay. Um, So take us through what you see here, verses 14 and 15. Uh, What are they telling us to do? That we should sort of follow those who are farther along in their faith and in their lives than we are. Okay. So to, to have someone who's a little farther out ahead of us uh, who has kind of been through some life and has been in the word, and those people can help us not only understand God's word, but know better how to live it out. Uh, any of those people in your life? Do you have any of those kind of people in your life? My mom. <laughs> your mom. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Um, so... Yeah, so your mom, your mom is someone that sort of is ahead of you in life and in faith and who sets an example of what a godly woman looks like and does and acts and otherwise uh, conducts herself. And so, yeah, and that would be a good person to kind of model yourself after, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're to follow those who are farther along. And then there's this, this uh, verse 16, which says that Scripture is breathed out by God, and therefore it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. I'm sure you've never needed correction. Never, not once. No, no, okay, good. Um, talk to us about what this means for us. What are we supposed to do with the fact that God has breathed his word into existence, uh, and it's good for us to learn, to grow, to, to change. Talk, what, what is, talk to us. 
and it means that we should be like yielding to his word, that we should be receptive to it. So receptive and yielding. Um, and verse 16 and then 17, can you unpack that a little bit more? So we're supposed to sort of like guide our lives by his word. It was breathed out by him. <laughs> it's obviously right, important. Right. Okay, good. Um, it talks about how the man of God may be complete. That can sort of mean maturity or growth. That okay. we should sort of grow in his word and in him okay. as people and as Christians. And uh, there's probably a part of your life that is like this or has been like this. So in about another month or so or a few weeks, you're going to start uh, marching band practice, I assume. Yep. All right. And your band director will have all sorts of new ideas and things that he or she wants to implement into the marching band this year. And are you born knowing how to do those things? No. No, you're not. And so what happens? We have to start sort of from the beginning every year, and we do it over and over and over again every day and until it's sort of second nature. You don't have to really think about it. You just do it. Okay. And, and then by the time that the, you know, you're, you're kind of midway through the football season, um, I'm assuming it happens pretty accurately. Yes. Yes. And then you go to some competition and your band wins awards. Hopefully. That's yes. the goal. <laughs> All right. Have you won any in the past? Yes. And that comes only through the hard work, the dedication, the repetition, um, and God's word is, is similar in that sense, although um, hopefully it's a little more engaging than band practice. But, uh, yeah, you get the idea. Okay. So <clears throat> we're to guide our lives by his word. We're to grow in his word, and we are to... Just to do good through his word. Yes. God's trying to complete us and equip us for every good work. And so I don't know about you, but... Um, in my own life, I kind of just do what I think I ought to do or I want to do. And then sometimes that doesn't work out. It's really weird. Sometimes. Sometimes other people aren't happy with the results of that. And I have to go back to God's word and ask questions like, where did I sin? What do I, where do I need to grow? How do I need to change? The idea being that as life progresses, if I'm progressing as well, that um, you know, I become more and more of a, having the mind of Christ versus my own mind. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. And we're going to go, you had a passage in Psalm 119, which that psalm is really all about the role of the word of God in the life of the believer. Um, take us into the, the three verses in Psalm 119 that you, that you chose. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Okay. And so there's this, there's this give and take between the storing up of God's word and in an attempt to uh, be more faithful to God. So... What does God want for us? What is he saying to us? We are to be... We are to be all about our hearts. Okay. So 
this is this is the difference maybe um, you know I think if you're going to be so let's t- let's go back to band practice for a minute are there some people in your marching band who just don't care yes yes they are why are they there to get the credit to get the credit okay um, and can you tell the difference between the the people in band who are just there to get the credit and the people whose hearts are really in it. Yes. Yeah. And that's what God is saying. He wants from us. He wants us not just going through the motions of our religion, but really being engaged with him from the heart. And so take us through what you saw here, um, that he wants us to be all about the heart and just unpack that a little bit for us. So in verse nine, it talks about how we should guard it according to his word and according to him so that we should guide our heart by him, by his message, by his word. Okay. And then verse 10. He's talking about how with my whole heart I seek you, so we should seek his word with our whole heart. Okay. And then verse 11. He says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, so we should store him in his word in our hearts. Okay. And, and how do we do that? sort of living by his word in him and and, and what that. would what would um what would Jason have to do before he could store God's word in his heart just sort of accept him and read the bible open <laughs> and go his bible yes okay you have to read his message before yeah. you can and so it. are you going to understand everything you read in the bible every time you read it no i don't no i don't either <laughs> Um, and, uh, I was just talking to, uh, John Dunn the other day and uh, there's things he doesn't understand. How old are you, John? 17, 18, 72. And how long have you been studying God's word? Since you were five. So that's 67 years of Bible study. Um, and you still, like we were talking the other day, you had questions. You were like, I don't get that. And it's, you know, so, um, but on the other hand, like a three-year-old can understand the simplicity of the gospel that Jesus died for them, God loves them, Jesus died for them, etc. Okay, um, so we need to open God's word and and then let it in. So be wholehearted in our faith. And then we had a really interesting discussion about um, this passage that you found in in the Gospel of John, the opening of the Gospel of John, and then we're going to clip one other verse from the same chapter. Um, but do you remember talking about us talking about the the Greek word logos? You remember what it means? Sort of the essence of everything. The essence of everything. And and this was an idea in Greek philosophy that predated Jesus by I don't know, four hundred years, something like that. Um, and you know, Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, Parmenides, and et al., a bunch of other weirdos. Um and they had this concept that the universe had a central essence. And they called this the logos, which is the Greek word for word. And then Jesus comes along, and John, the apostle, sees something in Jesus that correlates with this Greek idea of the eternal essence of all things. And uh, so read... John 1, just the first few verses for us, and then jump down and read verse 14 as well, 
and then we'll talk about that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Okay, and then verse 14 as well, please. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay, and then just to, just to reiterate that the capitalized word, word, uh, is the Greek word logos, which is a very loaded term to the audience that John is writing to. So unpack, what does that mean we are to be? We are to be strengthened by his word. Okay. So the um, eternal essence of all things, the eternal word of God, what did he do? Everything. Okay. He made the world. He created the world. He created everything. Um, Was he created? No. No, because he he couldn't be created because it says here in my Bible – that all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So if anything was created, he created it. He wasn't created. Um, And so there is strength there. Talk about that strength for a moment. When you pray to God, who are you praying to? Everything, the essence of everything. He made me and he made you and everything. Yes, and... uh, Has he ever not been? No, he has always been, and he will continue to always be. Yes. And so in this crazy, changing world, you have something that is given to you by faith that never changes. It was never created, and it's never going to be uncreated. It always has been, and it always will be. Um, And what else does this passage tell us about this, this word? That it is the light of the world. In the face of darkness. Okay. So it says that he is life, and that life is the light of the world. Um, So there's the contrast between light and darkness and life and... Death. Death, yes, good. Okay, nobody likes to talk about that. Um, So he gives us life in the face of death, and he shines his light into the darkness. What happens to darkness when light is given? It goes away. It goes away. And it, and it may not, depending on the amount of light, it could be um, you know, slightly still dark and shadowy, but there's light, right? It changes everything. And so that's what John is saying is that this Jesus, this word, became flesh, came into the world, and he literally changed everything. And then there's this verse 14. Will you unpack that for us just a little bit, please? So it talks about how the word becomes flesh and dwelt among us. So he became one of us. He became Jesus and came down to earth and had a conversation with people, and people could touch him and talk to him and eat with him. Right. The eternal essence of all things had a name. And people could know him, and he had compassion for broken people. Um, he extended, th- this verse ends with, you know, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace 
and truth. This is John's description of Jesus. Um, just talk about that for a second. So he sort of extends his grace to us. He died on the cross for us and for our sins. Yes. And he demonstrates his truth to us. Right, in real time, right? As a real human being, he demonstrates uh, God's faithfulness, God's truth to fulfill all of his promises and bring redemption to his people. Um, so, yeah, this, this, this very otherwise previously ethereal idea of the eternal essence of all things was sitting and talking with people just like we are and had a name and a face and hands and feet. Um, and then he offered that perfect, sinless life on our behalf. So it's, it's kind of a mind-blowing um, uh, truth. Then we're going to conclude with a, a short passage out of Hebrews, verse, chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. You want to read that for us? Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Okay. So some really heady stuff here, right? Like space, time, matter, and energy, all that kind of stuff. Um, at one point did not exist, but someone did exist who created all of that. And how do we access this, this truth, this person, this grace? What is the conduit through which we gain access to all of this? Faith. We are to be engaged by faith. Okay. So being engaged by faith, so you said that your favorite subject was history. Um, do you have a favorite period of history that you like the most? Um, I know it sounds morbid, but the Civil War era. Okay, that's not morbid at all. <laughs> um, I mean, that was a that was a very tumultuous time and a very interesting time to study, and it's it's simultaneously a, a great exploration of what this country is, which is a good day to talk about that. Um, and a, an exploration of human nature in all of its uh, grand and ugly forms. Um, so, okay. Um, so, does it require faith to understand the Civil War? No. No. It just takes some analysis, some reading, some thinking, some understanding. Um, but that type of understanding comes through the use of our intellect, Right? What's the difference, this passage talks about understanding as well, what's the difference between understanding through our intellect and understanding by faith? Well, one major difference is that we can't necessarily see God. I could open a book and see evidence of the Civil War, but I can't necessarily see what God is doing. I might see evidence of it, but I can't see him doing things. Okay, and there is... Yes, you're exactly right. Faith allows us to access something we cannot see. And, and this passage talks directly about that. And that access to that something that is unseeable gives us what? What is the fruit of our faith? 
Assurance and understanding. Assurance and understanding. And so as we engage God's word through our faith by not just intellectually trying to understand what's in here, but by wrestling with it internally through the, the lens of faith, not only are we grown, but we are, we are, we find, like you said, you will see evidence like in your mom's life of what faith looks like lived out. And it will give you assurance that your faith will bear that kind of fruit as well. Um, And we have an understanding through that faith that's very different from our intellectual understanding of things. Um, Very good. Anything else you want to say about God's word, faith, life in this hive we call the church? It's pretty amazing. It's pretty complicated, but it's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. God is good, and, and I think amazing is a good word. Um, I, I never stop marveling at the way that he speaks through his word, even to someone as dull-hearted as myself sometimes. Um, so, well, thank you for doing all this work and uh, putting yourself up here for us to, you know, enjoy uh, getting to know you a little better and getting to know God's word a little better. Uh, when we close in prayer, do you want to dial or hang up? I'll dial again. All right, you're going to dial. Go for it. Okay. God, I thank you for allowing us to all be here today and to be able to see each other and to see you and understand you in your word. And I pray that you can continue to let us all go home safe and have a good 4th of July weekend. And I pray that you can help us to sort of take this message home today and continue to understand it and live by it. Lord, thank you for Sarah and her heart and the the gift of faith that you have planted there. Thank you for her devotion to your word and her willingness to uh, share that with us today. And we pray your blessing over her senior year. We uh, pray your blessing over all of our youth as they do this throughout the summer, uh, that you will fill them with your Holy Spirit and guide their hearts through this process. Um, we thank you again for the gift of your word. We pray that you would draw us closer to your heart through your word as we open your word. Lord, uh, speak to us and grow us more and more into the men and women of God that you've created us to be. Uh, We thank you for this time together and pray your blessing over each family that is gathered with us uh, here today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, great job.